whatever pain we face in our life, if it's a physical pain, if it's an emotional pain, if it's a disappointment, if it's, you know, being let down, it doesn't matter what level it's on, you know, even losing something that you really care about is painful. And so we have these pains that come into our life. And then how are we given opportunities to absorb, understand, and process those pain? Welcome to The Healing Cocoon by Urban Ascension. I'm Jacoby Gray, your host and healing advocate, bringing you transformational stories each week to inspire personal change in your life and help you feel more supported as you embark on the healing process itself. Through the study of coaching, kinesiology, holographic kinetics, meditation, Reiki, the chakra system, and many other modalities, I've learned how to release the blocks that were holding me back. Now I'd love to help you do the same. Deactivating your triggers and your traumas means you activate your happiness so you can experience more alignment, connection, clarity, love, fulfillment, synchronicity and success than you ever thought possible. So from dark nights of the soul to radical breakthroughs and rebirth, this is the Healing Cocoon Podcast. Hello, beautiful humans, and welcome back to the Healing Cocoon podcast for another week. Today, we're chatting with the talented and effervescent Jolie Manza, yoga teacher, movement coach, and founder of YogaCo, an international yoga and movement school that hosts teacher trainings, retreats, workshops, and immersions in premier locations around the world. I met Jolie years ago through a mutual friend when we gathered for a celebration where each woman provided an offering to the group. Jolie led a beautiful grounding yoga class and I remember in that moment, even though I'd only just recently completed my own yoga teacher training, vowing to take one of her month-long YTT intensives one day because you know when you find a teacher who encompasses it all, like the whole package, a deep knowledge of the practice, ability to communicate the philosophy in an engaging way, interesting sequencing, which is a really big one for me, and pacing and cueing that so easily creates flow, it can only come from someone who has truly embodied asana. That's Jolie. And that's why one day, when the timing's right, I will absolutely jump on a plane to Bali and spend an entire month soaking in and deepening my yoga practice at her school. I mean, dream life, right? I don't know, maybe it's just me. (laughs) After receiving a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Dance and Movement Studies from University of Colorado, Jolie spent a decade in New York City performing, teaching and studying with a myriad of outstanding teachers, deepening her knowledge and expanding her movement vocabulary. Due to different international teaching opportunities, she was able to travel the world sharing what she loved, which was instrumental in the development of herself as a teacher, as well as planting the seeds for Yogaco's global presence. Her first trip to Bali in 2011 was a turning point as that became home base for a number of years. She deeply connected with the culture and spirituality that Southeast Asia provided and it was here that she developed programs, built curriculums and found her Yoga Co community. 
So in this episode, we talk about the birth of Yoga Co, as well as the birth of her daughter, Gia Hope, the evolution of both, and how she's juggling motherhood with entrepreneurship. We also go right into the nuts and bolts of 200-hour versus 300-hour teacher trainings, personal pain management through yoga, and so many other juicy things. So settle in for a good one, and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review if you love this interview. So I actually attribute the journey in general, awakening, healing, whatever you want to call it, from my childhood, and it came to me through my father, who's a huge inspiration to me. So as a child, my household did what they could to offer my brother and I avenues into spirituality and sort of a deeper mindset than maybe happened in other households or or normal sort of childhood situations. And I remember from a very young age, my father, who was a true spiritual guru, would be playing philosophical giants like Alan Watts or Prem Rawat and I would come downstairs and he'd be lying on a couch and listening to these beautiful audios of concepts that were so sort of forward of my age and I remember talking to him about them at a very as a small girl about the deeper meaning behind all of it and and why he was listening to that and he would ask me questions that really um, lit a little spark inside of me that wanted me to find out more for myself as I got older. And so that was sort of the the kickoff. And then definitely as you go through life and you experience so many different layers of your own trauma or experiences, positive and negative, you want to find avenues for healing and processing any of that stuff. And so that was my own personal journey with yoga spirituality movement and then I had this baseline of content from a figure that I valued so much and eventually they crossed and I saw why those topics had such profound effect on me at that age and how to thread it into what I was learning about my own journey and so it kind of was this beautiful coming together that happened probably you know, in my 20s, where I realized some beautiful layers had been set from the beginning for me to explore the depth of our mind and bodies. Wow, Alan Watts. That is so cool to sort of be via osmosis, having those words like trickling through your brain. Absolutely. He has continued to be a very big inspiration for me in my own spiritual journey is what I like to kind of call what I'm walking through because I think that it really does shift. I think that it's never just one track and I have quote unquote been spiritually shopping my whole life. You know, you want to try on so many different recommendations or ideas. And so as you navigate the plethora of information that's out there, it can be really great to have these voices or these resources to tap back into and how you process what they're saying at the time that you hear them can really give you insight to to how you are in your life. And so that, yeah, Alan Watts is a, it's a big inspiration for me. And I know you said that when you were in your twenties, that was when your sort of personal yoga journey and personal sort of self-exploration journey started to 
to cross and with all of this information mm. that I guess the seeds that have been planted, but the physical aspect of yoga, yeah. was that um, something you were chasing because or drawn to because of the spirituality or were you just always a physical really kid different. and you just yeah. knew you wanted to do yeah. something physical growing yeah, up? Yeah, I was always a physical kid. I was in ballet shoes by the age of three. Dance was, I had a very tunnel vision for dance my whole life. I went through total commitment as a child into high school as a competitive dancer. And then when I got to university, it took me one year to convince my family that becoming a dance major was my path. And so I had this physical drive from a very young age. And so where yoga stepped in for me on that path was at 18, my first year in university, uh, rehearsing for a big show, I had a big back injury. I had something called facet syndrome where the little side pieces of your vertebra break. And so I had some floating bone in my back. It was pretty traumatic. It, it led to years of back spasms and understanding how to navigate this insane pain that I would go into. And so yoga became therapeutic for me. So my first introduction to yoga was actually for physical therapy in a sense. I had a friend who said, come with me, come take a class with me. And we went to this class and it was just lightning bolts and stars went off in my eyes because for the first time I was asked to take all of this awareness I had in my body and concentrate it into a focus that was beyond showcasing or competitive. It was let's figure out how to elongate in a healthy way and integrate your core and spin the spine. And so all these terms that were almost never used in the dance scene were introduced to me in the yoga room. And so my first and initial love for the practice really came from a place of rehab and wanting to feel stronger from the spine out. So that, um, and so then, yeah, with that, beautiful understanding of the physical practice that kind of existed on its own plane for a while. And then I had this sort of spiritual conversation existing in its own way. And then it came together and I was like, here we are, right? This finally, I have found something that spoke to both parts and it was the full encompassing concept of yoga, not just asana, but now let's look at yoga as a total and how can we pull from it what we need when we need it? It doesn't have to be just one lane. And that really was the uh, little seed that has been planted and continues to grow for me. And so that back injury sounds really intense. Yeah. Is that, are you sort of completely healed from that now as a result of all your like yoga work and grounding and learning how to? I guess, make accommodations within your own body? Well, I have made huge progress. I don't feel the effects of it as often as I would, but if I don't pay attention to it, I get flare-ups all the time. And that usually shows up in really tightening of the low back area, spasm style work. Um, a lot of core needs to happen at the same time and core meaning from you know chin to hip um, awareness and yeah, having a baby really threw a spanner in the works for me and, and going through that journey and healing from that. So it's a constant there. It sits with me through life, right? It's like kind of have my arm around that. And I think that that is also something that, which led me into wanting to create a company that 
provided opportunities for people to understand how to manage pain. And as maybe out there as it sounds, I really think life is about pain management. We come into this and (laughs) that is never I have never heard something more true said (laughs) I mean whatever pain we face in our life if it's a physical pain if it's an emotional pain if it's a disappointment if it's you know being let down it it doesn't matter what level it's on you know even losing something that you really care about is painful and so we have these pains that come into our life and then how are we given opportunities to absorb understand and process those pain that pain. And so for me, that management really came from movement. And movement was the impetus for understanding my spirituality. And so all of a sudden, it made sense that, hey, let's create these beautiful opportunities for other people to explore their own network and how can they also use this as a coping mechanism to understand life a little bit better? And so even though pain has a really negative connotation to it, I think there's a beauty in understanding your pain, accepting your pain, sitting with your pain, moving with it, instead of trying to get rid of it, you know, let's become friends. Let's, let's understand each other a little bit better. And so, yeah, my back pain is a constant companion and will be probably forever, but we've, we've made progress definite progress. Yeah. I, I just, I totally relate to that. I have like a twist in my, in my sacrum, which then results in my back, um, doing, and it's just something that it's like daily work and yeah. But as a result, it kind of is the thing that calls you back to your spirit every day. Absolutely. And, and what one of us can get through life without, having some kind of discomfort or some kind of obstacle that we're faced with. And some of that shows up as physical manifestations in our body. Some of that, you know, really is more emotional or mental. So it doesn't matter what way it shows up, it shows up. And so when it does show up, how have we been taught to cope with it? And sometimes that coping mechanism is through the body and it is processing out of your mind, you know, getting rid of the words and, clearing that and then coming into processing it all through movement or um, it doesn't even have to be intense movement, meditation, breath work. We all have something, if it's surfing, if it's painting, if it's drawing, there is something that helps our ability to focus in on one thing and, and quiet the noise elsewhere. So whatever that is, that's really beautiful to be able to come into touch with. Mm, and you just mentioned um, your company and your desire with that. So Yoga Co is your really cool company uh, hosting retreats and yoga teacher trainings. And you just mentioned that like pain management is sort of a, a big part of what, an, of your offerings. What? Um, how do you incorporate that into your teacher yeah, trainings? That's a good question because I don't think there's ever, you know, the word we are somebody that helps with pain management as a banner. So that concept is provided through techniques that yoga offers us. And so in the process of learning about yoga, what I have come to find is we all find this beautiful awakening on our mat, this physical relationship. Most people that you speak to that started yoga practice had something happened to them in an asana class where they laid down in Shavasana and their mind went quiet 
and they woke up and there was this little buzz of just peace. And so that starts the journey. And sometimes that's as far as it goes for people. And for me personally, I wanted it to go further. And so I found ways to explore the different layers of yoga outside of asana and really commit to understanding what it meant to say, I practice yoga, right? So very different from saying I practice asana. And what does that mean? How does that fit into my world? Is it authentic? Does it feel true? You know, rather than just following a a formula that's suggested, I really wanted to find those answers for myself. And so it's still the journey that I'm on. And somewhere along the way, I realized that if this was so powerful and helpful for me, then let's create opportunities where other people can also start to navigate through the same learnings. And it came from, you know, working for other people for a long time and and wanting to stand in my own lane and not have a ceiling over me in terms of what types of courses we could offer, what kind of teachers we could connect with. And so as scary as it was at the time, I really wanted to uh, take a step forward and start my own school and be able to create these beautiful experiences that helped me personally so much and and hopefully has done for others. And and it's just been such a rewarding and beautiful experience. Yeah, because how um, old is the company? We are, so we launched in 2017. So what is that, six years now? 17, 18, Yeah, 18. six years. <laughs> yeah. And how have your offerings evolved from the beginning? Because I know that as, as you go along, you figure out exactly what your thing is. Yeah, they have. Um, for I, I wanted it to be a place where community was at the essence of everything. Because I truly believe that we are communal beings and as introverted as we may be, or as much alone time as we love, there is still such an importance around connecting with other like-minded individuals. And so for me, there was a few pillars of importance that I wanted to touch on. Community was one of them. Travel was another, and then really quality education. And so how it's evolved over time was locations have changed, you know, depending on parts of the world that I've been able to explore myself or other teachers have been in. Um, We've wanted to offer an array of opportunities. So from more literal physical joy of surf and yoga retreats to really networking into specific 200 hour trainings, now evolving even further and opening up the 300 hour track and starting to explore more in-depth topics, more specified topics. And so the growth has been branching out, I think, rather than just having this one kind of offering, it's been going, okay, this is, this has gone well, where can we take this and who can we bring in and what other teacher can offer their knowledge and, and just grow the community and yoga co, um, co KOH, the community that we've created is, is so special and, just fills my heart to see the journeys that the students that we've come across have navigated and done. I'm interrupting this awesome chat to tell you about one of my all-time favorite creations, the Chakra Meditations, a potent combination of Yoga Nidra, Binaural Beats, and the Chakra System. 
These meditations are designed to guide you into a deep state of relaxation where your nervous system can totally decompress and create the space for healing. I took my time crafting these meditation scripts because I wanted to make sure they resonated with every ounce of truth, transformation and light I could hold. Each individual meditation addresses the specific attributes of each chakra and has a soundscape composed by source vibrations that is attuned to the frequency of each chakra as well. So from the main root aspects of prosperity, grounding and belonging, all the way up to the bliss, self-reflection and enlightenment of the crown chakra, each meditation is going to take you on an intricately curated journey to energetic freedom. You can download them via the link in the show notes of this episode or on our website, urbanascension.co. That's C-O, not .com, urbanascension.co under the chakra banner. Wow, that's beautiful. What's the difference between a 200 and a 300 yeah, hour question. training? So in the yoga world, I like to explain it to people that it's a registry of sorts that is considered the baseline for that 200 hour training. So a lot of people have a very varied opinion about an alliance. So yoga alliance or yoga Australia, or even yoga in yoga UK, I believe is the other one. Um, they stand as a place for a standard to be met. They've set this sort of protocol. So, you know, if you want to get a certain style of education, if a school's registered with us, you're going to be able to walk away and register with us. Doesn't necessarily have to happen. There's so many schools that don't work with them or um, trainings that have kind of gone on without them. But that 200 hour has been sort of deemed the amount of hours you need to legally teach across the world. And so that 200 hour is sort of like the 101, you know, when you think of uh, degrees in university, you've got your undergrad degree and then you've got your master's degree. So that 200 hour is almost like that undergrad degree. You get to touch a little bit on everything, uh, figure out sort of where your place is within this practice, what it means to you. And then after that, and you walk away from that for a while, you really start to visit the areas of the practice that feel most important to you. And then from there, a 300 hour will help you go a little bit deeper into those specific topics that you have been so drawn to. So I think of it kind of like undergrad and master's program. That's the maybe. Yeah. I love that way of explaining it. Thank you. Because I I'd heard of, you know, 200 hour and 500 hour and there's so many different, yeah, I guess. Lengths. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's not always, it doesn't yeah. always matter. I mean, I know that there are a lot of people that have nothing to do with either of those sort of registries and they're incredible teachers and have beautiful offerings. So mm. there, it's just good to know kind of what's out there in the world and in the conversation and, and, and what to look into. Yeah. And how has becoming a mama affected your entrepreneurial wow. <laughs> abilities? Wow. Oh, what a great question. Um, it has affected it in many ways. So I have taken a big step back from teaching and really uh, started to turn over the teaching role to other teachers, which has been sort of the most amazing thing, honestly, um, to become an observer in a way and watch 
other people who are really at their peak of just knowledge and, and awareness share what their findings are. And that's expanded a lot for me um, since having Gia. And I had a I had a pretty rough recovery after my birth with her. And so the path that I thought that I was going to be on after her had didn't look the way that I thought it would. And so it's been humbling to come into a place where the healing process is taking longer than I thought it would. You know, you come up against questions as to why is this happening? You know, why didn't I heal that quickly? Why does this still hurt? You know, so there's almost this confusion that can happen when you're so used to your body or your mind even functioning in a certain way. And then there's this massive shift that's happened and throw COVID in the mix and all of it. You're, you're left sort of trying to organize who you are afterwards. And so it's, it's changed everything. It's, um, it's been the most raw and real time of my life and it's been beautifully positive and beautifully negative and, we are at a point now, three years after her coming to me, um, that I'm really starting to understand who I am in this space now. And it's taken me years mm. to really kind of formulate that understanding. And so it's, um, it is wild, wildly beautiful. Yeah. 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 Because I guess with someone who's so physical and in their body and you've always known your limits. I mean, I know you had an injury, but that would have only helped you to really understand your limits even more. And, you know, you know what your energy system can do and you know all of these things. And then to suddenly have such a physical thing happen and technically a very positive yeah. thing, but it's just that the havoc that it can wreak in the process on, on your body. And I think there are, um, like a, they say that it's the ultimate spiritual awakening for a woman if they get to, you know, to have the opportunity of giving birth. It's like a total sort of reconciliation of an old self with this new yeah. self. Yes. And I have found that so many of these spiritual topics that I found inspiring to me in my younger years really showed up for me in the pregnancy and birth process and the concept of surrender, for example. I mean, I thought that I understood what that meant and then falling pregnant, I really understood what that meant. And then after having a baby and, you know, not being on the healing journey that I thought it was even more into the surrender concept. And so it almost took what I thought that I knew and just shook it up and go and kind of laughing going, you have no idea. You had no idea how <laughs> you get to really figure it out. So it's, um, and, and, you know, everyone has such a different journey, but I think the one thing to hold space for is that that's the thing. We all have such a different journey and it's never going to look the same way for anyone. And so if we can constantly remind ourselves of that, it, it's helpful because we're just in the age of comparison. And so to step back and, you know, shut out some of the things that aren't feeding your soul and, and being able to kind of sit with you and who you are now is, is a really empowering thing. Mm. And it's, it's funny how that happens when you, you learn, I guess, on that intellectual level, all of these potential concept concepts, which you think you understand, 
and then you actually have a physical experience um, that that allows you to fully and totally embody that concept. But what is so cool is that you had those concepts from it sounds like a very young age and it was almost like they were just waiting for you to then step into them. I love that. Yeah, that's true. And there is so much patience that you need to cultivate in any sort of path that you want to walk on. And the quick fix is to hurry, is to hurry to understand. And sometimes you just have to be a witness to what unfolds in front of you. And and that is the time that that specific lesson is brought to your life. And it's, it's hard to find patience. And that's been my current challenge, I think, is just, just really slow down, breathe through the changes that are coming forward and know that patience is a virtue and there is something beautiful that can come from surrendering and just allowing for life to mold the next thing. So, yeah, yeah. Mm. And and trusting that there will be a next mm. thing, I think, because I know when I was younger, you, everything was so like in the moment and everything was like life or death because I didn't understand that life was going to keep going regardless of what happened. <laughs> and I think now there's been enough heartbreaks or and enough amazing, you know, really high points, but then another low point and a high point, and a low point. And I'm like, oh, life is going to keep yeah. going. And so in that process of understanding that everything isn't life yep. or death, well, you know, there are some things in life that obviously Sally. are, but, but the way I would react to things when I was mm-hmm. younger, it felt like, you know, I wouldn't survive if I didn't sort this thing out right yes. now. But now I've learned it just comes with time and, and grace and, and, yeah, the lessons. Absolutely. One of my favorite things my mom said to me growing up, and it just rings true all the time, is, if a decision is really hard to make, maybe it's not the time to make it. And that's always been something that I've held so close to me because you do, you get to these points in your life and you have this decision and you're battling, you know, you can't figure it out. And that um, need to know what to choose is so strong. And if it is a situation where you can step back from it for a while and wait when that decision becomes easier, maybe then that's really when it's time to make that shift. And That's just kind of always come up for me over and over again is to, if sometimes we don't have the choice to wait to make the decision, but if you do, you know, and you step back from it for a while, you know, sleep on it, write about it, come back to it next week. How does it feel after a certain amount of days and hours have passed? Is it still as hard as it used to be? And so um, I, I think that that slow work is the work that's so important for a lot of us right now, because we're just in an age of get there faster, hurry up, more is better. You don't have to study hard. You just have to do it quick, you know, or, or whatever the, the suggested recipe is. And, and so I think for personally me right now, I'm, I'm trying to find practices that really help me with patience and, and stillness. Mm, yeah that's something I've been trying to practice as well in more recent years is if I don't know what to do do nothing until as you say it starts to unfold and I start to feel pulled in a certain direction to make a decision around something yes I mean you are 
currently and just what a thing to be going through right now for you and what a huge mm-hmm. amount of inner work that has to probably go on for you to just process all of it. It's so inspiring. It's so, thank you. It is. Yeah, it's definitely, um, a day to day thing because there is, I have to surrender to the unknown, the complete unknown every single day. There'll be with the IVF, a, a positive turnout or a negative one and I don't know which way it's going to go and learning how to be detached from both of them I think that when you were saying that your sort of your spiritual work really showed up for you I feel like that's what's happening for me right now in this process with because I have really worked through my past traumas my heartbreaks my losses my attachments my attachment styles and so I'm at this point where I can just be in the moment with this. And if I do experience a loss, it's not it's not every loss that I've ever had or my childhood mm-hmm. trauma coming up to haunt me. It's just, oh, okay, this didn't work this time. And I will grieve that not working. And then I get up and go, okay, but it's a new day and we can find a new way rather than just living out my trauma because this pretty intense situation has yeah, triggered. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's almost the culmination of everything you've ever learned about in a way. I mean, you are truly processing some of the bigger concepts that are laid down as a foundation to understand specifically the yoga practice or spirituality in general. And so to take it with such grace is a rare thing to see. So I'm, I'm very inspired by your journey. And I think a lot of us are Thanks. So what is the age range of people who come to study with you? Wow, that's a good question. It's a question that I really see differently now that I'm getting old. I'll be 40 this July and I am now, you know, you network within your own sort of age group and I'm seeing now that where the major focus for people tends to fall between like 25 and 35. Like there's this real surge of people that in that kind of decade are are very curious to expand and grow. And so I think a a big bulk you'll see kind of in that 10 year span. And then you get, you know, a few that are a bit younger than 25, that's less often. And then recently you are really starting to see a group that's coming in that, you know, the 35 plus year olds that are coming back to learning about these things. And that's been really great because that's my people now. Right. And so (laughs) I'm I'm starting to see that where I am now in my life is almost a whole new chapter, like heading into my forties. I'm so excited for it and, and to see what follows with it. And Um, we see things differently, right? Wisdom comes from time on this earth. And so you get to revisit some of these things that would have meant something very different to you at 25. And so I, that's another huge thing for me is, is to really create places and communities that everybody feels safe to come into. And, and there isn't a cutoff date that you can take a training or grow your practice or grow your awareness. And so um, I hope to continue to see all ages feel inspired to learn more. 
Mm, yeah, because I was just thinking about, we were talking about the wisdom of age and then I thought, oh, I wonder if there are older people who do, I guess, maybe empty nesters or even, you know, who, who have retired and they're like, oh, I want to find myself now or I want to go and do that thing that wasn't an opportunity when I was 25. Yeah, I think that you definitely have that. I mean, I have had a 69-year-old take a training and she was the most incredible woman, Joan. I love you so much. Um, she inspired all of us. I mean, it was like, hey, I'm interested in this now. I want to start teaching now. I mean, you often feel so in your routine that that whole new era doesn't even seem available to you. And so to see her walk so graciously into this new concept in her life was just mind-blowing and, and so inspiring. And so that's maybe the end range of it, but you definitely are starting to see, like you said, somebody that's retired, that's interested in teaching. What I, what I have noticed is, you know, we feel comfortable with um, people that we can relate to. And so creating opportunities for all communities to see themselves represented in any kind of training or retreat is, is really valuable and really imperative right now. And so um, hopefully that acceptance and that awareness continues to expand outward and we can see more growth around newer teachers starting maybe a little bit later in life. Yeah, that's really cool. I'm an advocate for that for sure. And so what is like um, a 200 hour training? Is that like a month long intensive or is that every second weekend for a few yeah. months? What can someone yeah. expect if they come Good to question? Erdica? So um, there are so many different styles of trainings. There are online trainings or trainings that happen, you know, on the weekends throughout a whole year. Our company focus, focuses on one month residential style training. So you are completing the 200 hour learning process in a month's time. We love to pick locations that have a deep relationship with nature because so much of the work is so introspective and so reflective and being able to visit a new place and learn from the land and learn from a new culture is highly valuable. And so we often try to connect with locations that really have that exchange. And so on a training with us, you can expect to travel to maybe a destination that you've never been before and slip into a practice for 30 days, sort of, you know, pull out of your day-to-day -day routine for a while and embody these concepts morning, noon, and night and, and see the shift that can happen in spending a month with yourself. And it's a luxury, you know, it's a, it's a real luxury to be able to take a month off and, and go into that kind of work. And so it sometimes shows up once a lifetime for some of us. And so we really value that and we know how special that is and, and want to create a situation where you have a beautiful community, incredible teachers, a relationship with the land and, and see what can transpire from that. That just sounds like a dream. I did my teacher training, um, sort of it was broken up over yes. a series of months and that was yes. perfect. My experience was perfect, but I've always wanted to just drop into a month long intensive training. Yeah. And you know, the 200 hour training is not always just for people that want to teach as you said, you know, maybe there's this month that shows up in your life and you just want to go and you want to practice and you want to learn concepts and you want to talk, you know, you want to sit with a group of people and discuss and learn from different cultures that may happen after you've been teaching for a really long time and, and you just want to go back to it. So you see that happen as well. So there isn't really 
one successful formula for it. And how amazing that there are trainings that can work with people who don't have a month off, right? Who can just do weekends. Mm. And so it's really um, where you land, if this is something that you're interested in, is, is where you're meant to land. Yeah. Is the 300 hour um, like an intensive as So the well? way we have our 300 hours set up right now is through smaller modules that add to that 300. We are right in the process of announcing a residential 300 hour, which is something I find a lot of people are after is to be able to, you know, take some time and study at that 300 hour pace in one collective set of weeks. So we're in the midst of, yeah, kind of announcing that. Is that like six weeks? So it, it would be four to five weeks with some online studying as well to match the mm. 300 hour. But yeah, mm. it's, it's all, all going to be sort of uh, organized by the end of this year, put it that way. Yeah. 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 I'm just thinking of all the questions people listening might have. And I guess probably the biggest one that you get all the time is, do you have to do the 200 hour before you move on to the 300 so hour? This idea of the hour behind your teaching title. Um, again, I'm sure that there's many listeners that are going, Oh, it doesn't matter. Yoga Alliance, 200 hour, 300 hour, 500 hour. And as valid as that opinion is, there are many people that really do love to have that certification and be able to register with someone and be findable on Google. And, and, you know, so depending on who you are, if that means something to you or not, if it does, 200 hour is your base. You need that no matter what. If you want to add on any kind of specialty teaching, prenatal, for example, or even, you know, acro yoga or some of the more niche topics within the practice. So your 200 hour is baseline. And then normally you can add the 300 hour on after that. You will get courses that do a 300 hours straight out of the gate, but 200 hours of that 300 hours is going to be that foundational 200 hour training. And then they've added on a hundred hours more. Um, so if you did the 200 hour first and then you did the 300 hour, you would collectively be a 500 hour teacher, which is kind of the highest hour mark you can have. And then from there, it's just continuing to learn at your own pace and adding in your interests as you go. So yeah, there's, um, there's something for everyone, depending on how much that you value that. Yeah. And so everybody can find you in us in the show notes, we will put all of your website details and your Instagram details. Is there anything else? Um, or any other ways people can, uh, find you know, you? right now, I think the best measures would definitely be website, Instagram, you know, we're on Facebook. That's, that's kind of the furthest reaches into the social media world that we want, mm. but yeah, that's, that's that. Definitely. <laughs> Thank you so yeah. much. Thank you so much for coming on the show today right. and sharing your beautiful business and your beautiful outlook on life and your sort of personal manifesto. It's really, really lovely and needed in the world, in the state that it's I in. I am so grateful for you for doing this and just offering people a platform to talk about important things. So thank you for your time as well. Thank you for supporting the Healing Cocoon podcast. It's your listening ears that make it all possible. What also makes it possible is if you rate, subscribe and review the show. Reviews in particular are really cool, not only because they help our ratings, but also because I have no way of knowing how the podcast is positively impacting your life. So if you feel like sharing 
please do. I would love to hear from you.